Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on our podcast show today, episode 170. The special guest is me. I am talking about student engagement and lesson pacing in your studio, too very important topics that go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Great teacher takeaways about vocal pedagogy right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, friend and colleague. It is Nikki from Full Voice Music. Welcome and thank you. Thank you so much for pressing play and joining me for another episode Oh my goodness, episode 170. It is hard to believe that we're at that number. (laughs) Now, today my topic is, I'm your special guest. (laughs) I'm doing the talking today. Uh, My topic is about student engagement and lesson pacing. And I've put them together because you can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand. Now, before I dive into my topic, friends, if you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it's late October 2022, and many of my friends and colleagues have either A, finished their Halloween recitals, or B, you're about to have your Halloween recitals, and I want to wish you a whole the best. I think Halloween recitals and performances are so fabulous, especially for our young singers. With the costumes and the spooky songs, they really are engaging. See how I tied that together? Anyhow, I just want to shout out, and I I truly heartfelt thank you to all the teachers who are on Instagram, who are sharing the excitement and the fun that they're having in their studios. I want to thank you for tagging us. I've had so many teachers tag us. They're they're sharing their performances, the kids that sang um, What's That Sound Zombie Cat this summer or this this season. And of course, Glenn Lehman's um, Dark and Dingy is a fabulous Halloween song. The kids absolutely love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Whether it was our songs or the free studies or the songbird warm-up game, Halloween edition, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see our resources and our music being used. The smiles, the fun, the the lessons, and I've seen both in-person lessons and teachers facilitating online. Thank you for sharing those. I want you to know that I share that with my team, the Full Voice team, and I also share that with our composers, and it means a lot. So thank you for doing that. And now... Let's get to our topic of the day. Okay, so my friends, we're going to get started. And I want to start off with student engagement. Um, and I wanted to just mention, um, so for the past, I guess it's all, it's been almost a year and a half, we have been facilitating teacher training workshops at Full Voice Music, and we are sharing resources and teaching strategies for students, ages, elementary-aged students, ages 6 to 10, so treble voices, um, how to work with them in private lessons and in small group classes. And I have welcomed incredible teachers from around the world into my Zoom room for amazing conversations, great questions and learning. And for those of you that are listening that have been in our teacher workshops, I'm saying hello and thank you for for joining me for that. Uh, So many great inspired humans that are welcoming young singers into their studios. I love, I love, love, love it. Uh, It makes me so happy. But before uh, people register for our, well, when people register for the, the teacher training, we had kind of a um, a mini little questionnaire. And one of the questions was like, what is your biggest burning questions? What's the one question that you need answered above everything else in this workshop? And my friends, the biggest one was about student engagement. Uh, and the runner-up, lesson pacing. 
So these are great questions. Uh, It's challenging. It's challenging to facilitate engaging lessons that are well-paced. It's not something that comes naturally. If you are a new teacher, it can take a while to find your flow. And friends, full teacher confession. I have been teaching for a very long time and I feel like a rock star sometimes. My my students are having a great time. I'm having a great time. My lesson pacing is fabulous. There's great questions. We get a lot accomplished and we're all disappointed when the lesson is over because we just had a great time. I, I love those lessons. But even after 32 years of teaching... I, they don't always land like that. They, I don't always have those amazing, well-paced lessons. I still have lessons that kind of fall flat. Now, when I have the great lessons, I feel like a rock star. But there are days where you know, my husband will say, you know, how was teaching? And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I felt like a fraud. And and he laughs because he taught guitar for probably 30, I think 30, 30 years. He, he, we joke, uh, he taught for 30 years and then he retired from teaching. And he just, he keeps bugging me to say that I keep teaching just so I can say I taught long than him, which isn't untrue. Anyhow, um, but yes, so lesson pacing engagement is something that doesn't come necessarily naturally. If you're a new teacher, it's going to take you a while to find your flow. And if you're an experienced teacher, you are not exempt from boring, draggy lessons. It happens, it's a thing, and you can learn from them. So just, just to make you feel a little bit better. Now, when it comes to engagement, I want to start there. So student engagement, uh, let's start with one of the misconceptions about engagement and something that's probably going to make you think a little bit if you reflect on your roster of students. So engagement is not compliance. Oh, oh, yes. So just because you have a student that is well-behaved and does what you ask of them, it doesn't mean that they are engaged. So what is engagement? What are we looking for? Well, engagement is the, the level of curiosity, the excitement, um, the motivation, like how excited are they to, to learn? Um, how are they, uh, are they asking questions? Are they excited to try something? Do they feel confident enough and comfortable enough to try something? Engagement is, is it doesn't come from, uh, it, it, it has to be a connection. There has to be, we have to present information in a way that the student can relate to it. And that is where observation comes in. Observation and getting to know your student, which is why it is challenging in the beginning to have those engaging, well-paced lessons. We don't know enough about the student. The student also may be nervous or uncomfortable and they have to get comfortable in our studios. And, you know, uh, sometimes our favorite exercises, you know, our technical exercises. I remember one time doing lip trills with a, with a student in their first lesson and they were not ready for that, friends. <laughs> <laughs> they were not ready for that. I remember this sweet little face looking over at her mother going, oh my gosh, I have to do that. So <laughs> it doesn't take much to freak out your students in a voice lesson. So observations. Um, now I know you're thinking, well, I watch my students all the time. And, and I think that we do, but mindful, careful observation. I have a challenge for you. I want to just share some things that I want you to watch. And um, I want to shout out because this, uh, these ideas came from um, a magazine I get from the uh, Teaching Young Children magazine. Um, this is from the National Association for the Education of Young Children. Friends, this is a fantastic website. 
And it is an American um, organization. They have incredible research and resources. And the website is fabulous. And they they put out um, a little magazine. And in the magazine, um, this past one was talking about observing students and what and how you modify your lessons uh, based on those observations. Now, again, a lot of the resources that you will get if you type in student engagement or lesson pacing or observation is going to really reflect the classroom teacher. Uh, and so I've kind of adapted it for the private lesson or small group class lesson. So when you're just dealing with the one-on-one and sometimes when it's one-on-one and you don't have, they don't have, um, other students with them, sometimes it can be even harder for engagement because some kids really need that connection with other students to build their confidence. Not always, but sometimes. So going back to the observation. So here's some really, here's some challenges. I want you to, I want you to just this next week with your students, and you can do this with students of all ages, my friend. Um, By the way, your adult students are the ones that might be very likely to be just going through the motions with you and not engaged. So this observation, this observation thing works for all your ages. So here's a couple of suggestions. So first of all, what singing activities does your student respond to? Positive and negative. So what activities, singing activities, do they like? Do they enjoy? And which ones don't they enjoy? Sometimes, and I'm guilty, I'm raising my hand, I just want them to do an exercise because I know it's going to help them and it's going to help them do this, this, and this. But it's really not an exercise that makes them comfortable. And I think we have to be respectful of that. So are you observing your students and seeing what activities they enjoy? and what activities they're maybe not ready for, they're not enjoying as much. It could just be a small modification to the exercise or a personalization of the exercise that might make all the difference. Ah, so it doesn't mean you have to trash the exercise. It might just mean you just need to change it up a little bit. So that's one observation. What activity do they like? What activities don't they like? Here's another observation. What questions are they asking? Or what are they talking about? Sometimes kids aren't comfortable or new students aren't comfortable asking questions. Um, But what are they telling you about? What are they talking to you about? And this is a perfect example this time of year. Halloween lessons are so easy for engagement because you could say, I loved going, you know, I love to say, what are you going for as Halloween? Every kid wants to tell you what they're going as is Halloween. They want to show you a picture and they want to show up to their lesson in their costumes. So then you could take their Halloween character and bring that into their, their singing exercises. I want you to sing this exercise as if you are wearing your costume as a witch. And how would a witch sing this? That is, that's how we connect with their preferences into their activities. Um, Another observation. Uh, How often does your student smile or laugh in your studio? That's important. Are they lighting up? Are they they super serious? What makes them smile? Do you know how to make them smile? That's a, that's a, mm. I've had a few students that it, it took a while before I saw smiles. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of my secret sauce. I'm really good. I'm really good at, at making them smile, finding something that they can smile or laugh about. I, I kind of, I kind of can hone in on that. Now, uh, here's a, here's another, um, uh, another observation. Are there learning stations in your studio that they prefer? So, I always recommend learning stations in your voice studio. It could be as simple as two. You have a sitting station where they can write and do um, uh, their music theory or their full voice workbook, or they could, you know, work on a rhythm clapping pattern. And then I would have a standing station. Now in my 
in-person studio, that was a big tonic sofa wall. It was the back wall of my studio. That was a really great uh, station. Lots of warm-ups were done there. Uh, lots of, even with my teenagers, when we were learning jazz, we'd, we'd use the solfege wall for the ear training to discover the modes. I had students that loved that station and I had students that did not. So when I had a low energy student that I knew loved the wall and loved to stand and sing, I would go over there. And if I had a student that that stressed them out, I would let them sit down. So again, um, and by the way, my lessons are now online and um, I still have two learning stations with my online students. When we start our online lessons for the year, we do a uh, basically a tech lesson and a setup lesson. That's part of their tuition fee. The first lesson, we set up where they're going to be doing their lessons. They have to have a desk where they can write with all their materials and they have to have a standing station where they can sing for me. So we get that all set up. So that that is uh, that is part of the observations. What activities and what areas of your studio do they like? And what areas are they not so comfortable with? So you might want to just take a mental note. You might want to jot some of these things down. The other thing that you might want to jot down, and uh, when I was young, <laughs> I could remember this. I don't remember these things now. So I do take a lot of notes. Um, what songs do they love? What songs, like, like, is there a song that just they would sing every week? Keep a list of those because those can become warm-up songs. A well-rehearsed, memorized song is a wonderful way to warm up the voice. And there's nothing more engaging than saying to your student at the beginning of the lesson, maybe you've done some movement, maybe you've done some stretching, maybe you allow them to sing their favorite song as they do their stretching. Oh, that's a great way. Movement is always a wonderful way for engagement. So that's another way of, of uh, one of those observations. Keep a little list in your, um, in your notes. And I'm, I'm just going to put another little uh, shameless plug. Uh, the private teacher music planner and agenda, which is a large 200 page calendar student records book. It's available on Amazon. So the private music teacher, uh, lesson planner and agenda has space. It has student information pages, student progress pages, and there is a list spot in there for repertoire. So you can keep track of all the little songs they've sung and maybe put a little star beside the ones that they really like. Letting them have those choices and sing music that they enjoy allows them to get into the lesson. It allows them to relax. It allows them to just really do what they love, which is sing songs that they want to sing. So there's my little observation. So just different ways and watching students and what they prefer. You've made connections with your students. You know what they like. You know what they don't like. And then you personalize your activities to reflect on those things that you know about them. And I just wanted to tie something in to our, our podcast episode last week. So last week we had the incredible Dr. Geneva Williams, and she was talking about happy hormones the conditions in which we learn best. And that is those happy feelings. And I just wanted to expand on that or just reiterate something that she said, because this came up in my uh, research on engagement. So this is from studycat.com. When people feel well cared for, connected, befriended, and trusted... So doing our best to create that safe space in our studios, it boosts the neurotransmitter oxytocin, which primes the brain to learn. 
So a sense of belonging, and this is, of course, in the classroom. A belonging in the classroom, I would change that to studio, and a genuine social connection to their teachers can create an ideal learning environment. There you go. So making those connections, getting to know our students, honoring the things that they enjoy um, is so very important. Um, and just, just to tie it all together. So my delightful little student, Esther, loves cats. And when I first met Esther, every week she would come in and she would have a different cat character on her shirt or her sweater. And after a few weeks, I said, you know, I kind of get the sense that you love cats. Well, she was very happy to tell me about her cats and how much she loved cats. And she was going out for Halloween as a cat. So I was able to find songs about cats. Now, fun fact, friends, Esther is responsible for introducing me to the kitty unicorn. She came in one week with a kitty unicorn shirt. And I was like, what is that? She's like, this is a kitty unicorn. They're a thing. And I was like, that is delightful. I like that. And for Christmas that year, Esther gave me a pair of kitty unicorn socks, which I immediately showed to my good friend, Donna Rodenizer, because she had never heard of a kitty unicorn either. And the very next day, Pretty Itty Bitty Kitty Unicorn Tongue Twister Song, which is a free download on our website, was in my inbox. So just from <laughs> getting to know my, my new little student discovering a kitty unicorn, we have now released the ever so engaging Tongue Twister Song, Love It or Hate It, Pretty Itty Bitty Kitty Unicorn. Fun fact! Pretty Itty Bitty Kitty Unicorn is being used in university pedagogy classes. And I'm shouting out to Dr. Nick Perna, who just recently shared it with his. So thanks for uh, taking the play-based learning into our university <laughs> pedagogy classes. I sent him, he's told me that it went really well. And I told him that I could die now. My work was done and I could now leave the planet a happy, a happy spirit. Anyhow, uh, I want to move on. Engagement, other, other strategies for engagement. Um, peaking interest is an activity that I always do before I dive into a new song. So if I am teaching a song to a student, I will always spend a little bit of time talking about what the song is about. I always ask my students, do you know any fun facts about... And then I'll give them the opportunity. Friends, kids love, well, everybody loves. If you have information, you love to share it. We feel smart and we feel like we are participating. So I always challenge my students with that information. I always like to have a few fun facts kind of ready to go. And I, you know, that's what the Google machine is for. And that conversation helps the students to connect to the story of their song for greater understanding and for expressive singing. I truly believe that our students of all ages are not singing expressively because they actually don't truly really know what the song is about. They haven't discovered, they haven't done the work on the lyric discovery and peaking the interest is a brilliant strategy. It does, it, it is so important for engagement. Once your students have some, they've shared something that they know, which makes them feel very smart and engaged. And you also share some fun facts, which was going to pique their curiosity and their interest. And then you dive into learning the new song. And again, powerful, powerful tool in your teaching toolbox. The other form of engagement is active participation. Active participation. Engagement is participation. So you might want to explain something. How concisely can you explain it? So short and sweet, less talking, more singing, or more clapping, or more moving, but keeping your instruction to a minimum and allowing students to actually do the thing. How many times, if you were to reflect back in your 
lesson experience. How many times did you only get to sing things once for your student? And then the rest of the time was the discussion about the thing you sang. You didn't even get a chance to get warmed up. You sang it once, you made a teeny, teeny mistake, but now they've got to lecture you about it for like a long time. And how many times have we done that to our students? I have a rule in my studio and I don't know who I stole this from, but it's one of my amazing colleagues. Um, they, they have to sing it three times minimum, three times before we address anything. Often things self-correct and I don't have to actually tell them what I was originally going to tell them the first time they sang it. And it allows them more repetition and they are singing more. It helps them with practicing at home because they've sung it more in the lesson. Active participation. Are your students listening to you talk or are your students doing the work? You want the latter one. You want them to do the work. Props and visuals. If you can make things more visual and more kinesthetic, you will have a far uh, greater chance for better engagement. So props could be anything that they can get their hands on. It could be, um, it could be the whiteboard. It could be drawing on the whiteboard. That is an amazing engaging activity. It could be using flashcards. We have many Soulfetch flashcards on our free resource page. I, in my in-person lessons, used to use those all the time and the kids love them. I also highly recommend the Ann Baltz uh, Attitude, Gesture, and Movement cards. They have saved my life. They are so engaging. And in my online lessons, my students don't get to touch them, but I get to hold them up and it brings in a new, it's a visual. In an in-person lesson, you could ask students to choose their card. You could spread them out on a table and say, pick three cards. That is hands-on engagement. It goes a long way. Yoga balls, stretchy bands, resistant bands, anything that allows them to move to and to be doing things. If you are moving, if your students are moving, they're learning. Again, the brain lights up. More movement, more learning. So let your students do the things. Oh my goodness. Now, um, uh, I want to uh, I want to move into lesson pacing, but before I do that, I want to give you a little sneak peek. So, um, a little sample, because we're always looking for new repertoire, and I wanted to let everybody know about our new release, Oh Christmas Tree seasonal singing activities, and holiday music. Now, this is more than just a songbook. It has all sorts of engaging seasonal activities. Now, this book is more for your intermediate level singers. I would say late middle school into high school. It's more advanced, and there's some beautiful arrangements. One of my favorite arrangements is by our very own full voice team member, Mim Adams. Mim is, Mim's superpower is jazz vocal arranging. She is brilliant at it. I personally have sung several of her jazz, jazz arrangements and they're, they're just beautiful to sing and gorgeous harmonies. I asked Mim to do a jazz arrangement of Oh Christmas Tree and she did, and it's fabulous. And I would like to say that it is perfect for younger students that are just getting started in jazz singing and jazz harmonies. Here's a small snippet of Oh Christmas Tree, and this is the S-A-B version, but this is, this is Mim and I and our good friend Paul Schlattman, so we got to sing the demo. Here's a little sample of Oh Christmas Tree from our new release. Oh Christmas Tree, Oh Christmas Tree, You stand in verdant beauty. Oh Christmas Tree, Oh Christmas Tree, you stand in verdant beauty. Your boughs are green in summer's glow, and 
do not fade in winter snow. Your boughs are green, your boughs are green in summer. I do not fade and do not fade in winter snow. Your boughs are green, your boughs are green in summer. I do not fade and do not fade in winter snow. Your boughs, your boughs are green in summer. I do not fade and do not fade in winter snow. Your boughs, your boughs are green in summer. I do not fade and do not fade in winter That is Mim Adams' arrangement of Oh Christmas Tree. It is available as a song download on our website, but it also it is also included in Oh Christmas Tree, seasonal singing activities and holiday music now available on our website and on Amazon Worldwide. Moving into, moving into lesson pacing, effective lesson pacing. Again, goes hand in hand with engagement. Now, I want to say um, to new students or to new teachers out there, lesson pacing is one of those challenging things. It does not come naturally to most teachers and I don't know if this would make you feel better, but even after 30-something years of teaching, while I do enjoy those wonderful lessons that come together, my students having a good time, I'm having a good time, I get in a really fabulous, fun, productive lesson, and I feel like an absolute rock star teacher, I still have bad days. I still have days where I just can't seem to figure it out. Maybe my student's low energy. Maybe I'm low low energy. Maybe the student like comes in and sabotages my lesson plan and I got to kind of go on the fly. I have those days too. And they can be really hard. I know that I've had a couple of frustrating days. Um, and and I just, you know, I feel I feel kind of like a fraud. So you can go from being the rock star teacher to being not the rock star teacher. So do not feel bad. It is not something that is a given based on how long you teach. Um, and I would say friends, just being honest, I think too, the longer we teach, being able to relate to a younger student takes more work on our part. Getting to know them, getting to understand the things that they enjoy, that they like, might be far from our own preferences. So we got to do the work because both both student engagement and lesson pacing, they are, they fall on us. They are, we are responsible for them. And so it can take, it can take a lot of energy and effort and you can have bad days. Now, I do want to say that lesson pacing is, again, a combination of observation, making those connections, planning, careful planning, the ability to look ahead And also the ability to shift from your plan when all of a sudden your students throw a curveball at you. Like when they come to you and tell you that they have an audition tomorrow and your your well laid out plan of sight reading and learning a new song and, and performing, like it's just, it's gone. It's out the window. So there is flexibility that has to happen there and it gets easier. The longer you've been teaching, the easier it is to kind of jump from one lesson plan to the other. But it does take some careful planning and mindfulness to to really put it together. So I want to talk about some of the teacher traps that prevent us from effective lesson pacing. And here's the first one. And I need you to repeat after me. My ability as a teacher is not measured by how fast my students progress. I want you to write that down somewhere. I want you to put it on your piano. Uh, When you've had a bad day, I want you to reflect on that. Are we rushing our students and for what reason? 
Now, sometimes we get stuck into that September, June, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, or August to May, into the following the school year and trying to cram everything into the school year. But if you're teaching private lessons, you are you get the beautiful opportunity to cater to that individual. And comparing them to other students is never a wise thing, so don't do that. And trying to trying to just rush them through the basics. So I want to remind everybody, beware of the curse of knowledge. And we've talked about the curse of knowledge before on the podcast. If you are not familiar with it, it is a cognitive bias. It prevents us from relating to the beginner experience. We forget, we forget how long it took us to master these music skills that we have spent probably two lifetimes developing. And I don't know if you can hear that. It's a little bit of thunder. (laughs) Anyhow, the curse of knowledge The curse of knowledge, um, it really trips us up because sometimes we can feel that the beginner exercises are easy, so we don't spend enough time on them. Um, Or sometimes we feel like beginner exercises and the tongue twister jar is like boring, so we don't allow our students to enjoy those exercises because maybe they're not that enjoyable for us. Lesson pacing also varies from student to student, where some students, and here's the other challenge, when we're working with children, we often need a variety of activities. And if we rush them through the activities, um, they can get overwhelmed. They can get frustrated. If we go too slowly through the activities, they get bored and they get fidgety and they get, they would like to be somewhere else. So lesson pacing is again, that observing how the student is participating with you and how focused they are. Are they, are they starting to, to look away from the music? Are they starting to fidget with the pencil on the stand? Are they kind of have ants in their pants? They are telling you that we need to move along. And that, again, requires when you do your lesson planning to have a few activities. I always like to have a few extra activities in my teaching toolbox that I can pull out if I need to move faster. But I'm also not disappointed if the student is 100%, 150% engaged and they want to stay on task for a while. That is also part of great lesson pacing is how much time we give them to actually do the thing. So good lesson pacing comes from concise instruction, simple instruction, less talking and more doing on the student's part. So the teacher is talking less, the student is doing more. And I can't remember who I stole this from, but I have a rule in my studio where I let my students sing things at least three times before I say anything. Quite often, the initial mistake I hear on the first attempt disappears on the second or third attempt. And I don't know about you, but I can reflect back on my experiences in the vocal studio. And I have to tell you, it's really funny. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's thunder outside. And I feel that I started talking about my experiences and now spooky weather and 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 thunder and lightning and all that stuff is just, I don't know, maybe my past teachers are haunting me. But anyhow, um, uh, so <laughs> if... If you hear thunder, it it is actual thunder. It's not sound effects that my husband has put on the track. Um, But I can recall one of the frustrating things that I had, and I had wonderful teachers. Shout out to all my teachers. But I do remember, in some cases, only being allowed to sing things once and then getting a big, long lecture about what I did wrong 
And the majority of the lesson turned into the lecture, and then I didn't get to sing it again. So when we don't allow our students to sing and do the things as much, one, um, the engagement is going to disappear. Engagement does not happen if we're just talking at them. They have to be doing the things. And two, they're not going to have repeated the exercise or the song enough to take it home and to continue practicing and working on it. So that's more of a practicing podcast episode. But I think a lot of us are struggling with practicing with our students because we are not pacing our lessons properly and giving our students ample time to repeat themselves, to sing exercises again and again. That being said, I have had some students that don't like repeating exercises and then you have to be really creative and change up the exercise at least just slightly so that they will repeat it willingly. Anyhow, the other thing with lesson pacing is kind of a uh, you know, you've planned out your lesson, having all your materials ready. Now, for my friends, because I live this every week with my students, when you are teaching online, you are probably using a lot of PDFs and backing tracks, maybe some videos, and you need to have those, you need to be able to like pull them up very quickly. So I have folders that um, live on my desktop, they have students' names, and any of the materials that I need for that student is in those folders so I can access it, access it quickly. The, now, Yes, from time to time, you will have to search for something or the student will have to search for something or find a piece of music. When my students log into the Zoom room, I will ask them to find the materials. I will outline the lesson. Okay, today we're going to sing, we're going to use the hot chocolate warm-up song. We're going to go over this song and that new song that I sent you, please have that ready. So I get them to get their materials out so that they are also organized and that we can go through as much material as possible. Now, I do want to just circle back. A lot of teachers wonder and ask, how am I supposed to get in all of the things, all of the things like, you know, I've got to do <clears throat> the music reading and we got to learn the song and we got to do performance skills and we got to do the ear training and how do we do it all? Well, first of all, friends, whether you're teaching a 30 minute, a 45 minute or an hour lesson, my lessons are 45 minutes. I personally would like to A, inspire you to, to move away from the 30 minute lesson. I think 30-minute lessons, even for the youngest children, are too, too, like, too short. And as, for, as a parent that has to drive her son around, driving my son to things that are only a half hour long would be a total drag. All of the training that my son does is minimum an hour, usually two, and in some cases even longer than that. So one thing to think about, just putting a little idea, inspiration in your ear. But even if you are teaching 45 minute an hour lessons, you cannot, you cannot get every single thing in every lesson. You will have days where you do more repertoire development and then days where you maybe do a bit more music reading. And there are days where your whole plan is sabotaged and you have to like watch YouTube videos and discover some new repertoire for an audition. Again, there's that flexibility. Um, but I want to say, um, when you are, when you start getting really good with your lesson pacing, you find ways to overlap the activities. What do I mean by that? Well, song study. Song study is where we take the music that they are learning and we use fragments of it for maybe a warm-up, or we use fragments from their song as the rhythm reading exercise. A lot of the songs in the full voice library are written in C major, and they are wonderful sight reading, music reading exercises. So you can use and overlap those activities so they're learning their rhythm reading 
as they are learning their song. They are reviewing their note names when they are learning their song. So there's opportunities to overlap learning with your lesson pacing. And when you can tie things together, that's when you get these beautiful, well-paced lessons. So I want to go through, and I'm going to use one of our songs Um, and there's actually a blog about this on our website. So Donna Rodenizer wrote this beautiful song about wolves. It's called Wolf in the Forest, and it's in a minor key. It has this haunting melody. The kids love it because there's a howling part, like the there's a melody that is the wolf's howl. I'm doing air quotes. Um, the wolves are very interesting. So when I present this to my students, first of all, I would pique their interest and I would ask them, do you know any fun facts about wolves? And of course, yes, they do. They would share their information and I would share some fun facts. But the main point is that I wanted to talk to them about the howl. We use, I would introduce the melody of the howl and that would become our vocal warm-up. We would explore the vowel sounds and vowel modification using the howl melody, which is very simple, just four notes. And we would explore dynamics and we would explore looking at the score. We would do score discovery, vowel modification. We would sing that passage in different keys. We would explore it using different dynamics. There's our vocal warm-up, but we're also doing score discovery at the same time. Then I would introduce the, the melody and I would use the, um, the rhythms. So I would ask them to clap the rhythms. So there's my rhythm reading exercise as well as learn, as they learn the melody part. So we do call and answer. We're introducing the melody. When we get to the, the B section or the howl, they've already know it because it was our warm up. So they sing it quite confidently. And the lesson really blends well together. And, and again, there's that overlap. Now, friends, it takes some time to discover those connections. If you can take a fragment from a song, maybe you do it as a solfege exercise. Maybe you use it as a warm-up. Maybe you do some rhythmic clapping to the rhythms. Maybe you do the warm-up and you let the singer hear the piano accompaniment and you do the stretching, their body warm-ups, their stretching as they listen to the piano accompaniment. That is one way that you can save some time but still get two activities in. Don't overwhelm them by trying to do too much, but those wonderful ways of connecting repertoire to warm-up, to movement, to exploring, to piquing their interest can really pull together a beautiful lesson. Now, my friends, hopefully you have some inspiration. And again, I want to go back to that challenge for teachers, I want you to observe your students. I want you to watch them, discover what lights them up, discover what makes them smile, pay attention to how they, what they talk about, the questions they ask, the, what, they, what they were wearing, what they ate for lunch. All of those little details can be pulled into your, into your vocal lesson. Um, there are some uh, really great blogs on the Full Voice blog. One is student engagement in the voice studio. One is better lesson pacing. And there is the uh, wolf in the forest, student engagement with wolf in the forest. If you'd like um, an itemized list of how to do these things, you can find it on our blog. I'm going to let you go and I am wishing you an amazing week. Now, before I go though, next time on the Full Voice Podcast. My wonderful friend, Karen Michaels, who many of you know as my social media expert, is going to be talking to us not about social media. At the National Convention, 
Karen and some of our very good friends, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, Eden Castile, Nick Perna was in there. I know I'm missing somebody else. Uh, they sang the national anthem at the baseball game. Beautiful arrangement of the American National Anthem. Karen is talking about preparing your students to sing the National Anthem, something that I have done and maybe you have done, but she's got some amazing strategies. Here's a clip from next week's show. That's so hilarious. But what a great opportunity. Now, this is something you've done forever. I have. I'm so, and I think you know, so I have... As a business owner, I have multiple streams of income. One of them is obviously performing. I sing, I play piano, I sing with uh, Dangerous Curves, my vocal jazz trio. And then, and I live in the land of corporate events. Right. I mean, the land, right? So I have sung uh, the Canadian National Anthem honorably. It was so, what a beautiful honor. And the National Anthem at 6 a.m. Goodness gracious, Lord of mercy. I know, right? So... I so I've done that. Um, the girls of Dangerous Curves, we've sung for the NBA, the WNBA, wow. and for our um, minor league. We have a minor league team. Oh, interesting! In Vegas, the Aviators, and uh, we actually have another one of those coming up. And um, we've sung it for um, like five k. The one of the big charities in our mm-hmm. town. We've sung for their five k, and and it's you know this is a rangy song. It's a it's oh, an my it's an octave plus. Uh, is it a fourth or a fifth one of those mm, yeah. uh, I'm trying to picture the piano right now and it's so it's very rangy mm-hmm. and um and it's very funny it starts on the five yes. which people think you know if you sing in the key of G you do not start on G you yeah. start on D right? right so a lot of people don't remember that the, uh, obviously now I'm speaking specifically about the United States yes, national anthem yes. so um there it's a tricky thing and it's because of that um, and because of the great opportunity, that is one of the regular things I teach in my studio. And it's unaccompanied. Like when you do it my, all most, the time, all the time. Right. So we're talking about like, if you're singing with dangerous curves, it's three part arrangement, three part yes. arrangement, acapella. I, I, we've never done it with a, right. And I never sang with, a, with a, never. And, and, well, yesterday I did, but <laughs> well, yesterday, but that, and, and those unique moments happened yeah, and yeah. it was lovely by the way. Um, yay. Um, so but most you if you can do it of course unaccompanied mm. and stay in tune mm, that's that, important that's the ticket <laughs> That's our show next week, episode 171 with Karen Michaels, all about singing the national anthem. Friends, the holiday season is right around the corner. If you are looking for beautiful, inspiring, fun, and fabulous repertoire for your students, please go to our new website, Full Voice Music. Go to our songs page and click on the winter and Christmas filters you will see everything there that you need to have some fun and engaging and well-paced lessons with your students as always i am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing Uh